Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Today we're going to talk about the four phases of career transition. This is a concept that we explore kind of uniquely on our own with clients. We talk about it and we have kind of our own, each one of us has our own sort of um, slightly different approach to this, but we're going to explore the four phases, what they really are, how people can be experiencing them, what the do's and the don'ts of each one might be. And yeah, just sort of dive into them and we'll refer to you some past episodes to kind of guide anyone who might be stuck in a particular phase that might uh, benefit from hearing another conversation that's a little bit more specialized. How does that sound, Lisa? Yeah, that sounds great. I'm excited. It's, um, I've kind of come around to this sort of by observation, and I think some people have actually written some, some literature on this, but to me, there are four phases and not everyone is going to experience all four of these phases when they're in a career transition. And this could be a career transition of any kind, really. So you're coming out of school and landing your first job. It could be you've been laid off, you're unemployed, now you're seeking a new job. You might be in a job and you want to pivot into something that's different. Um, I think these four phases are really applicable to any of those kinds of situations. Mm -hmm. So I do think there is something kind of for everyone in this. So go ahead. I would agree. And I would also say that um, if you're not doing all of them, you may actually be putting yourself at a bit of a disadvantage. Ooh, yes. That's a good point, actually. So we'll get into that a little bit more. Suspense. Excellent. So for me, Lisa, the first phase, I call it orientation. And I feel like this is maybe where you're saying people should should be, you know, ensuring that they're covering off this this first phase. Orientation for me is taking sort of stock of where you are right now and getting a sense of where you would like to go. And you may have never done this before in your life if you've kind of just bounced from one job to another. It's about kind of stopping, slowing down, really self-reflecting, inventorizing your skills, asking yourself some questions around, like, what are you optimizing your career for at this point? Is that how you see it as well? Yeah, so I tend to call it discovery or clarity. And it's focused pretty much entirely around Mm self-discovery. I find that self-discovery is the foundation for pretty much anything that you want to be successful at in your life. Once you understand yourself and where you're headed and the direction that you're taking, then everything else starts to fall into place. But a lot of people do skip this. And I myself skipped this for a very long time. I was just sort of taking whatever came next, which is fair, right? Like we have bills to pay. We have other ideas about what our career looks like. So, you know, a promotion sounds cool. We don't really think too much about why we might be taking it. But like you said, this is definitely the step that most people skip and doing so can really put you at a disadvantage in terms of your confidence and the way that you show up in some of the other phases. That's a great point right there. Just this is the step to me that a lot of people, I agree with you, also skip just sort of through default behavior, kind of a lack of awareness. It's okay. It's totally normal. And slowing down in your transition to really go through this phase with some due diligence, I think not only leads you to um, ending up being more productive in the three phases to come, but also allows you to just really believe in the process that you're going towards something that you will be content with for a longer term. Yeah. You end up finding more fulfillment and, it sort of goes back to uh, Simon Sinek's finding your why. Yeah. 
Yeah. When you can find your why and, and have that as the baseline for all the decisions that you're making, it becomes a lot more clear. Totally. Yeah. Um, we've done a couple of episodes in the past around this topic um, that come to mind, right? To me, your career's mission, vision, objective, strategy, and tactics um, with Jonathan Stark. I believe that's episode 22. And Overcoming Shiny Object Syndrome, episode 17 with Michael Kravchik two discussions where we really kind of went a little bit further in this. I loved, um, I love Jonathan's points around mission and vision, how you like really starting with vision and seeing for yourself, like what is a better industry that you're in or a better world, or how can you make people that you care about? How can you make their lives better? And then once you have an idea of what that end goal is, the mission is, who you associate yourself with, the work that you do. And if you can then plot out that course to the vision, it becomes easier and, and more clear as to what kinds of companies you can go after. Is there a company out there that's also on a mission that aligns with the vision that you have? And so that was something that really came out to me. And that's a, that's definitely a discussion that I feel like 99% of job seekers never really have until they're aware that it, it can happen. Mm -hmm. And so in line with that, you're sort of focusing on your values, what motivates you, um, but also sort of external things like the roles that you're interested in, the companies that you're interested in, the mm -hmm. industries that you're interested in, so that you can really have a specific statement of this is what, this is where my job search is headed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which, like I said, kind of brings us into a more confident way of approaching phase two which to me, I call it branding and positioning. And it's once we kind of have a direction coming out of the orientation phase, this is all about how do we position ourselves as an ideal candidate in the industry that we're going after, in the target companies we are interested in, in the roles that we are interested in. Um, and the, the narrower we are in our focus, so like if, if we're after one role, it's easier to market and brand yourself versus if you're after, let's just say you have four roles of interest. I think sometimes clients that I work with really have to kind of streamline themselves down into something that becomes easier for us to say, okay, that's really the priority right now. And we can create messaging and your brand around that. Mm -hmm. How about on your end? Yeah. So I call it personal branding, very similar. And it's a lot about um, an intentional way of presenting yourself. So what what do you want people to say about you when you leave the interview? Or what do you want people to say about you when they're referring you to a job? So really getting clear on what those branding statements are, how you're, like you said, positioning yourself, and then being able to take that into your resume, your cover letter, your mm -hmm. LinkedIn profile, and all of the actual artifacts that you're going to use within your job search. And it's really important to again, get that clarity of who you are and what, what intention you have um, for who you want to be. And then translating that and making sure that all of your materials match that. Yes. So huge point right there is, is finding that alignment between all of those different um, ways that people could find you online or read your resume and then see your LinkedIn profile. Do those two things they don't have to match. And, and I definitely counsel people away from having a, a resume match per se, a res, uh, LinkedIn profile, but there does need to be alignment. There needs to be some form of, of coordination so that the messaging is consistent and the, 
you build a brand really through small forms of repetition. That's how, when you think of great brands that you've seen in any industry, clothing, cars, travel, you name it, it's, we've heard it many, many times. And so the more times that an employer can reach you and see that messaging that's consistent, the easier it becomes for you to become branded in their minds. Cool. Yeah, the, the branding phase is really, I do see a lot of people struggling with this. And I think that's maybe because they haven't always done any of the work of phase one, or they just struggle to sort of see themselves. And that's where a coach can really help them understand like, what is the unique story? What, what, what's the unique value proposition that you bring to an employer? Has that been true for you as well? Yeah, and I also find that people tend to be unclear about their requirements or unclear about how it all works. Like maybe mm. they've written a resume in school at some point that they never really thought too much about the purpose of it. And once you understand your industry and understand your audience, that's when you really start to get clear on, you know, I'm not just selling the, the technical skills that I have. This is mm -hmm. about me as a whole person. Yes. And your point around understanding sort of the other side of the interview table, starting to see yourself from an employer's perspective, realizing that your resume is really, it's about you, but it's, it's not for you. And being able to do more and more research on what are the key pain points that you can solve for particular employers, really, really cool stuff. Honestly, I could kind of geek out about that for a while, but yeah, we'll save you dear listener. One of the big mindset shifts that I find really helps people is like, if you look at a job description as a problem that a company is trying to solve and you try to figure out how you can make your materials mm -hmm. solve that problem for the employer, because people are always like, oh, I, I hate talking about myself. I feel <laughs> so weird talking about my accomplishments. But when you look at it as solving a problem, then it, it really takes on a different meaning. Such a great point. Yeah. Because everyone, can, I think, I hope, can get excited about the idea of solving a problem. If you're not excited about solving a problem, then maybe you need to go back to phase one and figure out what are the problems in the world that you are interested in solving. Very cool. Sweet. Phase three. And to me, sometimes there's a bit of um, an overlap here. Sometimes uh, a client is going through phase two and then arrives in phase three and still kind of plays off of the phase two actions that we're just talking about. But for me, phase three is, is called job search execution. And it's about taking the targets, the organizations that we're interested in. It's about taking the branding messages that we've been creating and now going out into the world and actually pursuing opportunities, whether it be through an online application or more importantly, through networking conversations with people who are in the target places that we'd like to be at ourselves. Yeah, agreed. And I use the word strategy, very similar, just taking all of that stuff that you've done in the first two phases and putting mm -hmm. it into action. It's for me, very much an action phase of planning, execution, and follow-up as well, making sure yeah. that you're reflecting and keeping track of your actions so that you can be sure that the activities that you are taking on are high impact activities as opposed to just things that you're doing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's the expression? activity and productivity should not be confused for one another. It's something like that. I'm paraphrasing it, but mm -hmm. really getting clear on like, what are the highest leverage, highest probability of success actions that I can be taking and doing those as often as you possibly can. Um, and then yeah. 
also aligning that though with your personality. So if somebody is a really, really great writer, mm -hmm. you probably want to be taking on activities that have you writing a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're a great networker, if you're somebody who loves talking to people, maybe you do want to be more involved in some of the more in-person or virtual activities. Great point. Yeah. So there's, there's knowing your strengths, being able to like not drain yourself throughout this process because it can be a little bit of a lengthy part of, of the four phases. Content creation at this point can become a real thing. And so if you're a writer, like you said, like maybe you're writing some content on LinkedIn. If you're someone who speaks, maybe you're starting a podcast. Maybe you're starting a YouTube channel. You're doing something that takes the branding and positioning that you figured out in phase two. And now you're, you're growing it sort of incrementally. It might be once a week with a podcast episode or a blog uh, article, but this is all part of just using the strengths that you already have to become more visible. Mm -hmm. Cool. I find that one of the biggest challenges that people have in this phase is confidence. Mm -hmm. Because um, if you haven't, again, gone back and done phase one to get really clear in phase two, mm -hmm. then you go into phase three and you're not totally convinced that you're the right person for the job. You're not totally convinced that you can solve the problem. And so you're hesitant to send out applications. You're hesitant to talk to people. You don't know what to say when you're talking to people. So if you can overcome that confidence piece in this phase, you're good to go. That is a great point because there is going to be some form of rejection felt by most job seekers once they hit phase three. Mm -hmm. You might be doing some direct outreach to people, trying to get an informational interview, trying to get any kind of a networking conversation going um, and not getting a response. And that's totally normal. And I think the persistence to be able to go through that and just continue to put yourself out there. If you feel as though your confidence is fragile coming into this phase, I think it can be really easy to kind of be beaten down and, and to stop taking action, which is usually the worst thing that you can do for your career transition. Yeah, it's not do exactly. anything. <laughs> it kind of stops the whole process. So that, that's cool. I mean, there are some episodes that we have done in the past and I, there are also some that we did for phase two that I didn't mention, but in phase two, things that will definitely help you come into phase three with a little more confidence, crafting a killer resume episode 18 with Adrian Tom and leveraging LinkedIn profiles, presence and personal branding episode 32 with Anna Lakotkova. Um, those are conversations that definitely, definitely will bring, I think a greater sense of like just belief in this process, the job search execution phase. And then once you're in this phase itself, a couple of episodes we've done networking to get work episode 33 with Diana YK Chan, really great kind of a clinic episode around how to meet people. And also episode 56, one of our best episodes ever with Austin Delsack called hidden jobs and value validation projects. Um, that is when we're talking about meeting people, and becoming a top of mind candidate before the posting goes out online and hundreds of applicants throw their CVs at it. That's what that's all about. And so big conversation there. Check it out if you are struggling with phase three. Yeah. And that's also, I mean, it actually applies a little bit to phase two as well, because if you're taking on a value validation project, you're showcasing some of those things that you want your personal brand to be all about. You're, mm -hmm. you're actually taking some of that and showcasing it. Um, so it, it ties to both phase two and phase three. And I think that I've seen 
people undertake value validation projects over the last few months and it's incredible. Epic, the difference. Right? Yeah. 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 And even though it's, it's a, the, one of the big objections to a value validation project is doing a lot of work. Is this really going to pay off? What do you see, like what makes it so incredible when you see your clients doing it? Just the feedback that they get from the employers, like the employers are blown away when you do something like that, because mm -hmm. all of a sudden they can see your skills in action and they know that you care more about this job. They know that you're not going to be doing this for every other employer. So mm -hmm. it just really helps you to stand out and showcase that, that extra value. Cool. Yeah. It's one of the coolest ways of approaching a job search that I've ever heard of. And so kudos to Austin for bringing that to our show. Mm -hmm. um, when we get into finally into phase four, I call this um, the interviewing and negotiation phase on the grand scheme of the timeline of career transition. This is often uh, one of the shorter phases in duration, but with perhaps the most at stake. And that's mm -hmm. why I think it kind of deserves its own place in the transition cycle. So when we're at this point, we're actually getting interviews and we're going through one or, or rounds of interviews, multiple interviews. The big things that come out for me in clients that are, are struggling is the ability to tell their story now in a situation where they're feeling a bit uncomfortable. So a lot of the work is, is done to kind of Yes, enhance preparation. Yes, do some more research of an employer, but also like, let's get used to telling stories and speaking from not the idea that we're, we're trying to say things that impress people, but let's speak from our belief system because that's where our confidence can really come from in these somewhat nerve wracking environments. Is that true for you? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like you said, that confidence can really play in about um, and I think Diana might have mentioned this in her episode about um, really serving people as opposed to selling. Yes. Which is really what you're trying to go back to when you're in that interview phase to build that confidence. Um, the other thing that I would actually also mention for this phase that I had sort of forgotten until right now is the actual transition of leaving your old role and starting mm. your new role. <laughs> Great point. So this last part is, is really, you know, landing that final, landing those interviews, securing a negotiation and securing that offer, and then dealing with the actual last part of the transition. Yeah, let's, let's definitely dive into that for a second, because there is an opportunity when you're leaving an employer as you're going out the door to plant seeds for a brighter future, whether it is something that you can come back to maybe one day um, you would have a former employer as a client if you decide to go on out into the world on your own as a freelancer or as a consultant. Maybe the job that you take is not really what you were sold on and it, it, it becomes appealing to go back to where you were. And if the door has been shut behind you, then, then that becomes really hard to do. You just have an option, right? Like you can either burn bridges on the way out or just don't burn bridges. And I'm in the camp of let's avoid burning bridges. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the ne negotiation part of the interviewing and negotiation phase. Um, we had a great podcast episode with Josh Duty, and I'm blanking on the episode number, but it was on fearless salary negotiation. Um, it's been one of our 
our most downloaded episodes since we recorded it in the summer. Number 46. 46. Thanks, Lisa. Um, and it was really eye-opening. I mean, everyone should negotiate was one of the things that I took away from that conversation and see negotiation really as a potential for win-win and not win-lose. Is that true for you? What else did you pull from that? Yeah, the negotiations in general are just not to be afraid to, to do them because mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest things. Like I definitely don't think that I've negotiated my worth in past careers, past jobs. I just kind of thought, oh, this person's offering me a job. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I should take it. I should be thankful for what they're giving me. But the reality of it is just like he had said and like you had just mentioned, if you focus on that win-win of the employer is also getting something out of this relationship and the mm -hmm. more happy you are with the salary and compensation that you're receiving, the better it is longer term for the two of you. Yeah. There's no question that someone who fills a role, um, 90% of the time is going to be providing more value to the company the organization than what they're being paid for in compensation. And if that's not true, then you're probably going to see yourself removed from the role at some point. And to realize that there is so much at stake for an employer, you have leverage for sure. And I loved that conversation around how it can really be a collaborative effort and that there's going to be some give and take oftentimes from both sides, but arriving at that agreement that this is how we're going to go forward as in some ways business partners. That's kind of how I, I start framing it for mm -hmm. clients that are unsure. Um, it just creates a situation where you trust the employer a lot more. If you're able to have this kind of a frank discussion early on in your tenure, and they can also see that you take yourself seriously, you understand your value. And I think you become an even more attractive candidate when you take that leap and enter that conversation. Mm -hmm, definitely. Cool. We have a few other episodes in this phase um, that might be really helpful. Interviewing Like a Pro in Any Industry, episode 19, with our friend Jackie Grant, and st Storytelling Your Way to Success, which featured Virginia Franco in episode 29. That's a good episode also for people who are struggling to kind of communicate their story through the resume. But storytelling really goes to a new level, I find, when you're actually face-to-face -face with someone <laughs> in person or more likely over Zoom. Mm -hmm. I would add two additional episodes. Number one is uh, episode 43, getting the most out of leaving a role mm. and episode 41, success in a new role. Yes. Thank you. Great transitional episodes. And just as you step into a new role, at some point you're going to revisit this um, career transition cycle again. And it will be easier if you have taken stock of what you're doing in the role that you're about to step into. So imagine you're transitioning from a role and eventually down the line, there will be another transition. You can start preparing for that transition right now by ensuring that when it does eventually come, we're not saying that it, it should come right away, but prepare yourself by knowing what you are bringing into the role that you are starting in now so that it becomes even easier for you to orient yourself and to brand yourself the next time you come into that transition cycle. Did that make sense, Lisa? Yeah, definitely. And you can even keep track of that in some sort of documents. Like you mm -hmm. can start just taking stock of your accomplishments. You can take stock of what you're learning 
Um, I, I feel like a lot of people also miss the learning piece of like, what yeah. did I actually learn in this role? How am I, how am I growing as a human being? Yeah. So that just keeping a, a journal or some sort of online log of all this stuff can be really helpful that you can go back to at a later date. Yeah. Brag file. That's one term I've Brag heard. file. Right. Yep. Adrian Tom, thank you for that. Um, yeah, that's, that's a huge missed opportunity that ends up being a missed opportunity for a lot of job seekers when they don't realize that right then and there they can start to take that step in their career development as they start a new role and leave their past one. Cool. And you don't have to do it every single day. When I was working before, uh, I would often do it sort of every six months. Mm -hmm. Even when you're doing your performance reviews with your manager, that's a good opportunity to just look back and see what have I done over the last six months. You can do it quarterly if that's easier for you. Yeah. Whenever your, your memory is most fresh, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that becomes something that you take with you, not only in transition from one job to another, but also if you are trying to apply for a promotion or a raise within your current organization, that brag file becomes sort of the, the case study that you bring in to that negotiation. So love it. Lots of applications for that as well. Yeah. Cool. What else should we talk about when it comes to the four phases of career transition? I guess maybe just some some best practices for sort of getting through some of these uh, because we do have a lot of great episodes that you can go back and listen to, but there's also a lot of value in having a person. So mm. that could be a, a friend or a family member. If you have somebody who really supports you in your life, it could be a mentor too, somebody that you can have these types of conversations with where you brainstorm, you talk about things, you throw ideas around. Um, that can be really helpful. And if you don't have somebody like that in your life and you want to go externally, there are coaches. There are tons of coaches who are ready and willing to help you um, and courses as well that you can take to, again, just sort of guide you in that direction. Like all the work that you do is yours. You are the the hero of this story, but every hero needs a guide, right? Totally. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for revisiting that. Yes. When we go back into the whole realm of storytelling, every hero needs a guide and you can bring in a guide and it changes your own story in the same way that you as a guide for an employer are helping to change their hero story. So love that you brought that up. And when it, talk, when it comes to courses, I mean, you've got something actually that might be really helpful for job seekers in this career phase question mark situation. Yeah, so we have uh, Golden Path Learning that we actually just relaunched January 4th, and we're really excited about it. It goes through each of these four phases. And this is really for people who like taking on the self-work, like they're self-motivated, they're ready to do things at their own pace. Um, and I find it sort of like if you were, if you want to get fit, if you have this goal of getting fit, you can either hire a trainer or you can go on find an online course or online videos and stuff like that. So that's sort of similar. Like if you are trying to go through this career transition and you really enjoy that one-on-one -on -one support, a coach is the way to go. The person's going to get you there fast. They're going to mm -hmm. help you guide to guide you through all these exercises. But alternately, if you like being more self-motivated and going that phase or that route, um, golden path learning is a great way to go. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question that having some form of accountability, whether it is in the form of, of a course or an individual who's helping you, or it could even be a community. Um, one of the coolest things that, that we do as entrepreneurs is we talk to other people who are building businesses that are similar to ours, different, 
and being, you can apply that same kind of mentality as a job seeker by joining other communities who are also full of people that, that are in these, these phases of transition that we've been talking about. Um, it it kind of helps validate the process a little bit so that you don't feel like this is strange or that you're weird or whatever. All of these things are totally normal. There isn't necessarily, you know, how fast you go through them is not always the end goal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the quality and the depth of the orientation and the exploration and the discovery. Sometimes it's the relationships that you make along the way as you're going through your job search execution, because the stronger your network is at the end of the day, the easier the whole thing becomes. The more fun, honestly, I think career transition can be. You know, that might sound strange to someone who is maybe many months in and totally frustrated right now, but keep going because those seeds that you're planting, they grow over time uh, as long as you're nurturing them. Absolutely. Yeah. It's sort of interesting too, because um, you it's, I go back to this, but every person is so different. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you can think about is when I think back to school, what did I, what did I like? Did I like being in groups? Did I enjoy the classroom learning? Did I, uh, did I prefer having a one-on-one tutor? Like how do I, how do I like to learn? How do I take on information and what sticks, not yeah. just for short-term learning, but something that you can really immerse yourself in and really enjoy. Love it. Yeah tap into that natural essence that sometimes we be, we become programmed out of as we go through our lives. So it's always important to revisit those early days. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I think that's all I've got on my end really for this episode. Yeah, same. Cool. So dear job seeker, hopefully this was of use to you. If you have any questions about any of these phases, don't be afraid to reach out to us. It would be our pleasure to talk a little more thoroughly about them. Check out those episodes that we mentioned. We had some great guests that came in to to dive into them further in those transition episodes. I'll put the links in the show notes as well. Perfect. Thanks, Lisa. So with that, we will call it for the week for the Career Builders podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. We hope you are well going through your career transition smoothly. If not, let us know. And we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. Are you a student, new grad, or young professional looking for some help in your early career transition? Then you'll probably find value in reading Take Flight, my weekly Sunday newsletter designed to help young job seekers land work faster and grow their careers. You can subscribe to the newsletter by going to coachwazo.com slash subscribe. That's C-O-A-C-H-O-I-S-E-A-U dot com slash subscribe.